Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. On April 19th, St. Louis visual artist and illustrator Kababi Bayok went public on Instagram about a falling out he'd had with Jazz St. Louis over the handling of a t-shirt design he'd created for the nonprofit. Bayok's posts alleged that white Jazz St. Louis board members were offended by the image and led to the design's rejection by the nonprofit's president and CEO, Victor Goins, although such offense was not the official rationale issued by Jazz St. Louis for pulling Bayok's design, an image of a young black trumpet player based on JSL's creative director, Keon Harold, with a raised fist. The Instagram posts generated a great deal of response that went beyond the t-shirt to include management of Jazz St. Louis as a whole. Riverfront Times managing editor Jessica Rogan dug deeper to write a story published late last week, and she's here to talk with us about the reporting today. Jessica, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And in the interest of full disclosure, we want to mention a few things. Jazz St. Louis and St. Louis Public Radio collaborate on the program The Next Set, live from Jazz St. Louis, that airs on Fridays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. And the marketing director for Jazz St. Louis has a weekend on-air shift here. And the partner of Jazz St. Louis's former president and CEO works in St. Louis Public Radio's development department. Our newsroom makes independent editorial decisions about what we cover. So, Jessica, this all began when Kababi Bayok posted on Instagram, sharing his account of how the t-shirt design meant to fundraise for Jazz St. Louis education programs fell through. Is that where you picked up the story as well? What can you tell us about how all of this started? For me, the story started actually with an email I received from one of the Young Friends board members. And just to explain, the Young Friends are a advisory group to Jazz St. Louis, not the uh, managing board of the nonprofit. And it directed me to that Instagram post. Um, and you've already had a great uh, description of it, but right away, you know, things stuck out to me that seemed not standard for rejecting a t-shirt design. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the board member told Kababi great details about what had happened, um, you know, things that would be offensive to him. um, And also, you know, even just the rejection of the t-shirt seemed off. So Mm -hmm. I immediately started looking into it Um, trying to find out what had happened. Um, And this led me to an incident on April 11th when the T-shirt design had been discussed with the Young Friends uh, full board group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that moment, um, Victor Goins, who is the Jazz St. Louis president and CEO, had come into this meeting. He was scheduled to be there, but, um, you know, he comes with staff members and, 
it's quite unexpected and there was a a falling out between him and the Young Friends board. Mm -hmm. So there's that conflict. You're learning about this through some correspondence then that was shared with you. Um, And I just want to clear something up. I mentioned earlier that Keon Harold was creative director at Jazz St. Louis. He's in fact the creative advisor for the organization. Now, it started with Kababi, and Kababi is, uh, you know, someone who is associated with very um, sort of a trademark style. Um, and as I read in the intro, the image that raised eyebrows involved a young black trumpet player with a raised fist. And Kababi's art and murals, you know, they adorn indoor, outdoor walls all over the region. And he frequently paints what he calls Kababi All-Stars. So these are paintings of children with what's known as the power fist raised high above their heads. Um, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture senior reporter Jeremy Goodwin talked with Bayok the week before last to get his account of um, what you've been talking about here um, and specifically about the design for the T-shirt. And Bayok said then that this is not the first time he's been met with pushback about his paintings that contain the raised fist. For me, it's about kids standing up for the life that they want to live and, you know, the stuff that they deserve. And again, why do we have a music program if everything's good and great with the arts? They're not. And people aren't receiving it. So it makes sense for a kid to want to demand the right to learn how to play an instrument. So even if it's not what that says in the painting, it is a fact that kids and, you know, just in terms of equity, kids who are great with instruments have a better chance of getting scholarships in grade school. So, I mean, it just makes sense all around the board to that this statement goes along with what jazz is and jazz itself, the nature of it, you know, in the history that jazz musicians have to deal with. It's just, it just is what it is. So with what Bobby shared there with Jeremy Goodwin here, um, our arts and culture reporter, was any of that also sort of going through your mind as you were reading um, what was posted online and, and also the, the correspondences that you were given access to? Definitely. Um, you know, uh, Kababi had actually painted that image for Jazz St. Louis live um, at an event in December 21. It was under the previous uh, president and CEO, but, you know, it had great... Um, reception among people at the organization and they even shared it on social media. So that was another, you know, thing going through my mind um, as I was looking at it because it had already received this positive response. Um, so in, if the in public the was down with it, then what was going on exactly. elsewhere? I mean, you know, Kababi is someone who's very well known um, in not just in our region, but beyond because of the work that he's done. He was actually here uh, to talk with us about some illustration work that he's done with um, Ibram X. Kendi. And Jazz St. Louis is also, it's an art institution is its own in its own right. You know, Kababi was clearly ready to talk. When folks affiliated with Jazz St. Louis spoke with you, though, Jessica, what did they tell you about the environment of working there? Yeah, so I was able to speak with a Jazz St. Louis employee um, who uh, is, you know, insisted on anonymity for that person's protection um, from retribution. 
Um, And right away, the employee shared with me some really interesting things, one of which is actually that Victor Goyne, since starting in September, has been exceptionally absent as he tours for the, uh, you know, as a musician. He's a celebrated musician in his own right. Um, But then even more than that, there were some incidents uh, that made people kind of question him. Um, So one of the ones that I included in the RFT story was that there had been a gathering. um, Joss St. Louis holds these like monthly birthday celebrations and Goyne had come to one. And as everyone is chit-chatting, he just sort of drops in this uh, statement. Um, He's talking about, you know, sort of that sort of standard sexual harassment training that all organizations have. And he says that he... Um, was talking to the man leading the training and, you know, this guy's speaking of, you know, protecting women and Goyne says that actually these policies should be protecting men from being falsely accused. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, no, nothing needs to be said about that. But um, that wasn't the only thing that came up as, you know, we were talking about the atmosphere at Jazz St. Louis mm-hmm. under uh, Goins. Um, I also obtained a recording of a meeting uh, from earlier in the year where the group had met to, you know, talk about the budget for something that was in planning, a celebration of women in jazz, mm-hmm. um, and that it was being done with a New York organization called Weijo, which is Women in Jazz Organization. Um, and, you know, they're talking about the budget and uh, Goins expresses that he doesn't want to go to donors for this event um, because he doesn't want to go to donors again and again. Um, he doesn't want them to feel like an ATM, he okay. says. And he says, instead, we should, you know, we should not pay the woman uh artists who are going to perform and right away there's pushback on this idea um and you know he goes back and forth with the people in the room um one of which who tells him you know he's bullying them um and then at the end of that exchange uh he sort of brings up part of Weijo's mission which is to serve not just women but non-binary individuals um and, you know, without any prompting from anyone else in the room, he says, you know, our non-binary individual is going to be, you know, he implies that non-binary individuals, you know, should they be part of this event that we're planning at Jazz St. Right. Louis? Um, and he talks about someone he knew when he was, you know, teaching at Northwestern um, and kind of ends saying that, you know, kind of implying that, you know, maybe not everyone who says that they're non-binary is sincere in that and that we okay. need to protect women in jazz and jazz St. Louis. So it all comes back to protecting something, although it's not clear exactly what it is. Um, we did reach out to Jazz St. Louis um, just over, was it on, on Friday, in our uh, preparation for this segment. 
and we reached out to Jazz St. Louis and its board chair, who's attorney Bill Higley. The organization sent us a statement this morning attributed to Higley that only partly responded to our questions. It read in part, quote, as soon as he, that is Victor Goins, arrived, he established a welcoming environment, working tirelessly to engage staff, volunteers, local musicians, donors, and our audiences, always listening and creating an environment where multiple perspectives were encouraged and differences were discussed. He has been a consistent supporter of women in jazz. Um, The statement went on to say that some people have not responded well to his more direct style of leadership, and that that doesn't come as a surprise. Board Chair Bill Higley further wrote, quote, the allegations and accusations described in various venues are entirely baseless and without merit. It is unfortunate that differences are being aired in a public forum, as opposed to being discussed respectfully and constructively in collaborative settings. Unquote. The statement ended with Bill Higley saying that he and the board of directors, quote, stand completely behind Victor Goins. So, Jessica, maybe this is um, a stupid question. <laughs> Based on your reporting, does it surprise you that Jazz St. Louis is standing in this way officially behind Goins? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, Personally, you know, nothing surprises me. But I think one thing that did come through my recording is that, you know, reporting, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. after this meeting with Young Friends Board, which was very well documented by the members who reached out to the board, um, you know, there was at least one individual who wanted to take action. But overall, it seemed like... um, you know, they were standing behind Victor Goins, and uh, I think the young friends were very not uh, in favor of this, mm-hmm. and it's resulted in, I believe, every member um, resigning from that advisory board. Every member now? Every member. Okay, and that is of um, as of now, and the story was published on Thursday? The story was published on Thursday. There were two who hadn't officially resigned yet, but I believe that they have done so. So this it's a crisis in leadership on uh, many different levels. And you know, this has happened during a time uh, when local arts organizations and leaders have been actively working to build St. Louis's profile as an arts city. So not only one that's worth supporting as a hometown treasure, but one that's also worth coming to enjoy as a visitor or arts tourist. Uh, from your point of view, I mean, what effect does this kind of story have on those kinds of efforts? Well, you know, I can't really speak to, you know, the impact it will have on the uh, St. Louis tourist scene. But I think one thing that came out, um, you know, just going back to that meeting and the emails that came out afterwards was how disappointed the Young Friends board members were um, in what had happened, how they had been treated. Um, They felt very disrespected and they also felt like the organization, you know, was failing the community, the black community, because this is the community that made jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
with now the exit of all of these young friends, um, it reminded me of a conversation that I had had um, a couple months ago with the outgoing um, CEO and uh, executive um, of Forward Through Ferguson. And he had said that there's a problem with um, older folks not taking younger folks seriously. I mean, to what extent do you think this that is also happening here? Well, there's certainly a difference in um, priorities between the board and the Young Friends board um, that, you know, you can you can see reading behind the lines, but you can also think about just the makeup of those two boards. Um, you know, I didn't specifically look into everyone's ages, but you know, if you look at the young the full board, which is listed on the Jazz St. Louis website, you can see every single member, um, and it, it appears to be that you know, over sixty percent are you know not people of color. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I was told by a Young Friends board member that the that board had primarily been made up of young friends, young people of color. And um, I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. Jessica Rogan is managing editor at the Riverfront Times. She was talking with us about some of the controversy that has been occurring over at Jazz St. Louis, a nonprofit here. Um, in our town. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jessica. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.